It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's a Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. We have got Jake Ellenbogen with us today. We will get to him in just a few minutes. Guys, don't forget Lockdown Rams, your team, every day, only on Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find us basically everywhere at this point Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Himalaya. Download whatever you prefer, hit the subscribe button, leave a review, all that good stuff. We always appreciate hearing from you guys. I have an awesome giveaway I'm doing right now for a Todd Gurley Nike Vapor jersey. It's with Pro Image Sports Ventura. If you guys haven't gotten in, uh, we are doing this right now. It is on my Instagram, my Facebook, uh, my Twitter. I've pinned it on all profiles, so go check it out. It's really simple. All you got to do is go follow Pro Image Sports on Instagram. You can find it anywhere, but go to Instagram Follow them, like the post, tag three friends. You're instantly entered to win. You can enter 50 times. If you have 250 Facebook friends, do it. Let's go. You can enter as many times as you want. It's a $150 jersey. It's sweet and it's free. So go check it out. And this isn't some crazy national Toyota sponsorship or anything where there's going to be millions of people. You actually have a chance to win this. So go check it out. As for today, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of Jake's experience out at the game. We're going to talk about the offense and and maybe about this offensive line. Are we a little worried coming in this game, the defense and how they've been playing so far? We're going to get to all that today. Also, don't forget, I said the social media, but Lockdown Rams, all accounts, LA underscore Rambling Bear. For my man Jake, you can him up at JK Bogan DTR or at Downtown Rams, both on social media and the website. Check them out. But with that, now your Lockdown Rams lead story. I'm Bear Motter, and I'm joined by Jake Ellen Bogan. Jake, looking at this week's game, what jumps out to you as the most intriguing matchup versus the Browns? The most intriguing matchup to me is going to be whoever's on Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who I believe. Uh, 100% is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, I think Odell showed you pretty much on Monday Night Football against the Jets. You know, this is still somebody he's been battling some injuries. I think people have forgotten about him in terms of, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world and, you know, Antonio Brown. And he doesn't really get as much exposure as he used to. And I think he's going to start because I think 166 yards, I believe on six catches, um, this is somebody that can break the game open. You see his ability in space, and uh, it, it's pretty evident that he could be a game wrecker in this one. I think the Rams are really not going to have really much of an issue against the Browns. I don't think the Browns' offense is where it'll be in, say, week 11, when I think right. everything will probably come together. Uh, but for that, Odell Beckham Jr., and I don't really know who's going to be on him because, I mean, quite honestly, that speed, I don't know if you'd want to put uh, Marcus Peters on him. Uh, Talib is faster than Peters. I don't know if you'd want to put Talib on him or even Nikel Roby Coleman. I would probably go with Talib and, you know, he'd probably feel it out. Um, I wouldn't do anything like where he shadows Odell um, because, you know, that Jarvis Landry guy is pretty good too. So 
Um, right. Definitely whoever covers Odell Beckham Jr., that's the the biggest matchup, I would say. Well, I guess as a looking at that matchup, is that something where you think the Rams are going to look at some bracket coverage or even trying to shade his way? Or does that put them in a position, like you mentioned, with the other wide receivers on the field, you know, that you start to give, you know, Landry some one-on-one opportunities? Do you see Rams playing zone a little bit more than usual? Or how does that kind of, do you think they'll mix it up? How do you approach this when you have a superstar wide receiver like Odell on the other side? You don't want to give them too much credit because like you mentioned, some of those other, other wide receivers, but how, how do you see that kind of coming to fruition on Sunday? Yeah, I'm glad you brought bracket coverage. I definitely think that they will go in that direction. I think, it, you know, an ideal Wade Phillips game plan. Um, first off, you know, watching the Browns offensive line, that is not an offensive line to me that the Rams defense should be scared about. I think the Rams defensive line is going to eat. Um, with that being said, if they can't, uh, I still think the Rams, you know, preferred game plan would be to let Jarvis Landry catch all he wants over the middle and keep everything in front of them and shut down Odell Beckham Jr. Make sure he doesn't grab anything. Um, he is the the scary one because, you know, Jarvis, right. while he moves well in space, he kind of he's like a running back. He's a really good blocker, great route runner, and he's got great hands. He is a possession receiver. Uh, he's he's more than that. But when you talk about Odell Beckham Jr., again, I don't know if anybody runs as well as he does and, and you know, has the vision he does when he's out in space um, and the Browns and, and mainly Baker Mayfield with this offense that Freddie Kitchens is um, in charge of. You know, I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be utilized even more in a better way than he was in New York. And the reason I say that is because I feel like Baker's really it's kind of all or nothing with Baker Mayfield. I mean, you watch the Jets game. He had a lot of stuff underneath. He went for the deep ball. I mean, he, he's he been really, yeah. you know, testing defenses, and it really hasn't worked out for him this year. But, it, I mean, if the Rams aren't ready, it will. So, you know, I think Odell Beckham Jr. is the one guy. If you circle anybody on the Browns, that is the guy. Um, and then right after that, I'd probably say Miles Garrett, who has a chance to absolutely blow this game apart. Um, you know, if they wanted to even put him, you know, they wanted to put him on the right side and right, have right. against somebody like, you know, um, Rob Havenstein, who struggled at times in the Saints game. So we'll I want to get to that O-line here in the next segment. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But really quick before we get out of this segment, uh, looking at this cornerback core that we have pretty good right now. Right. But a lot of the guys, their contracts are coming up. We saw. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was out there. The Steelers grabbed him. I feel like he was the better option of some of the corners were out there as far as price goes. There's still Jalen Ramsey out there right now looking at the future of this, you know, cornerback room. Is this something that the Rams should be kicking the tires on right now? Or is this kind of like, we'll pass on that too much money, too much drama. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I I think right now, I mean, I've kind of gone back and forth. I don't feel like the answer is wrong if the Rams do not trade for Jalen Ramsey. I don't think you can say a team that is arguably the best team in the NFC ha- is making a mistake by not trading for an all-pro talent that has some attitude concerns that has to be paid long-term, and that isn't, you know, that isn't a guarantee. Um, on top of that, I also don't, think that they're making a mistake because you have to keep in mind first round picks the only thing that's really value when you're talking about like the rams is that fifth year option and to me i don't even think it's that much of value 
because quite honestly, they're going to be picking so late in the first round. The player that they get might not even like they're getting to the point where guys that they're picking in the second round are guys that aren't true starters. I mean, like Taylor Rapp is balling out, but he's not even like a true starter. You know what I mean? So, I mean, technically he is. I mean, he's really been playing a lot, but you know what I mean? I mean, like their third round pick uh, last year, Joseph Nopum. I mean, he, you know, just got a chance this year, you know, and that was only because Saffold's gone. And you're looking at this as it's a good move if they go for him. It's a good move if they don't, in a sense. Like, there's no kind of playing this wrong. So if you get a talent like him, awesome. If you pass on a talent like him, you still got these guys in the in in house uh, that you can resign and keep. And really, from my perspective, to kind of wrap this up is kind of looking at if we bring in Jalen Ramsey, what does that do for Marcus Peters as far as a mindset going? Hmm, I'm on my contract they're bringing in this guy like is it me and him moving forward or as Talib, are they pushing me out you may start to kind of cause some of that stuff that you don't need right now he's always be great to get a uh, you know player of his caliber right now but uh it is interesting what the price tag is going to be because from you know reports looming it sounds like more than half the league is interested right now he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league and uh, he's really young. So we'll see how that all kind of shakes out. I was just kind of curious and uh, your thoughts on it. We'll talk about another guy that's out there uh, later in this show and potentially adding him. I know we've got a great team, but you always got to be looking what's available, how to improve, uh, what we're going to do. Step aside real quick. We're going to get a couple words from some sponsors. Before we do that, go check out Mac Weldon. I guarantee you this is premium menswear. It's better than anything I have in my closet and probably yours too. Right now for 20% off your first order, Visit MacWeldon.com. Enter the promo code Locked On. We'll be right back. Thursday edition Locked On Rams right after this. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trail Blazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. 
All right, Rams Nation, back with Jake Ellen Bogan from downtown Rams. Uh, he was at the game on Sunday versus the Saints. Had some pretty sweet seats. I saw the picture that you sent over to me. Nice, nice seats there uh, for a great game. You got a lot of awesome action. And hey, man, you're at the biggest game of the year so far. And you dominate the Saints. I don't care what happens as far as the calls or whatnot. Sean Payton even came out and said later this week that, hey, those penalties on us were well-deserved as far as all their holding and all the, the procedural stuff that they did. Obviously, I'm sure he had a different opinion on the Jared Goff play, but that's over. It really wouldn't have mattered as far as the outcome of the game. Uh, kind of talk to me about your experience at the Coliseum. Obviously, you're from the East Coast, so coming out here, it was nice and warm. Uh, pre-game, during game, you know, how was it, my man? Yeah, so it was, uh, I mean, I had so much fun, honestly. It was a lot of fun. Um, just really cool to be there uh, with my friends. Obviously, Alexis, who I do the podcast with um Tyler and Jillian uh it was it was just a lot of fun um you know really appreciated the the Ramley helping us out uh with the seats um got a really good deal on them and you know I, I mean normally like I know people were like oh he's churning in the money now like look at what he's <laughs> like eh, let's let's slow your roll there but yeah no it, it was a blast um you know just just really just really enjoyed it you know and I think it was really cool to be able to you know, go from seeing the Packers Rams game last year to this game. And the reason I say that is because I think everyone's really big on attendance. And I can say full well, the Packers fans were so much better than the Saints fans. Um, I mean, I honestly, you would make the argument last year after seeing this game and being there last year, the Packers game was pretty much a neutral site game. Uh, Jared Goff on you know third down would hear go pack go more than you know he'd hear quiet right so I mean it was a whole game this Saints game and albeit you know the score 27-9 kind of indicates why um, but even still I wasn't really too impressed with the Saints fans um, I also wasn't impressed that during the national anthem they were chanting who dat oh that um, was disgusting to me but um you know, I, I obviously there are good Saints fans and there are bad Saints fans. Um, I just wasn't thoroughly impressed with them. You know, when we get into the conversation of, oh, this fan group travels real well, I wouldn't put them in that category. I felt like it was not a Saints takeover like they were talking about doing. It was 70-30 Rams, maybe even 75-25. Nice. And I can say that full well, you know, just looking around and, you know, not being all the way up in the, the nosebleeds this time. Like I had a chance to really, you know, look around, see my surroundings. We had some Saints fans near us, but it was a Rams dominated day and it was a great day. Um, great day for football. The sun was brutal when it came out. In the fourth <laughs> quarter. Like, are you, you gotta be kidding me, yeah. man. Like it was so nice the breeze and everything. Sun comes out just beating down on you. Uh, but you know, all in all, it was a really fun game. The Cooper Cup play is one of the craziest plays I've seen in person. Nice. And I saw the third and 33 uh, oh, yeah. bubble screen to Robert Woods against the Giants that went for a touchdown. So, you know, I mean, that that goes right up there. Um, Jerry Goff, uh, you know, I thought it, to be able to bounce back from that, you know, abysmal start. Um, and he didn't look that great in week one either. But the fact that he bounced back and you look at the box score and like, Wait a minute, that doesn't look like what I saw. Right. Seems like Jared has kind of a a knack for that, right? He, he is he is the king of making his stats not look bad. 
and not as bad as he played. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, you know, 283, a touchdown, you know, whatever he finished with. I mean, I honestly, you know, he left a lot on the field. Um, I know people want to make a big deal about the the forced fumble. And yeah, it was a fumble, but I'm sorry. I think even with Breeze playing in this game, I think the Rams just came to play too much. Yeah, the Saints were not ready. The Saints weren't. I mean, we talked about it before the game. You and I on a Thursday, I believe um, Alvin Kamara was the key and he was held to under 70 total yards. Shut him down, man. I mean, the Rams defense came out and they dictated the whole game. Again, you can say what you want about Jared Goff. You can say what you want about the referees. I don't really care. I, I just know the Rams are 2-0 and and the Saints are not. And yep. quite honestly, the Saints should be 0-2. Yeah, so, <laughs> thank you. you know, I was actually saying that. People you know were getting, I, mean? <laughs> I had a guy coming at me on, on Twitter, and he's like, oh, without Teddy Bridgewater, you know, if we had Breeze, I'm like, look, you're, you're lucky. I love that voice, you're lucky. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky. You have you're one and one right now. You know, if you know you escape that first game, you lost this one. You're going up to play Seattle next. They've got a tough schedule. Uh, if Drew Brees is out six weeks, uh, they're going to have to win a few ball games before he comes back because you don't know how he's going to come back. And if they want to make a run at the playoffs, I'm writing them off right now. Writing them off. The Saints are done. They're not going to the playoffs. That's the way I look at it. I just think they've got too much going on, especially if. You know, if they start playing the game with who's next quarterback, is it Bridgewater? Do they, you know, try to even go a little bit deeper in the roster um, and and try to work him in there? But we'll see how it kind of all shakes out. Before we get over the next segment, uh, since you were there live in person, you talked about not being too impressed with the Saints fans and how that crowd came. But um, I wasn't overly impressed with the O-line. I think they did enough to get it done. But seeing that in person, uh, impressions on the O-line. And, and even, you know, let's talk about, you know, potentially looking at Blythe coming back, not being a hundred percent. If he comes back this week, or if they sit him, uh, how cur- how concerned are you about that unit being able to give Jared Goff time? Because that was seemed to be some of the issues with Jared Goff's inconsistency. Even though he missed some throws, a lot of it was he was kind of had some pressure all day. Yeah, there was definitely pressure. Um, I will say this right now: I I charged pretty much every sack that. Uh, Jared Goff had except for one I charged it to Jared Goff I believe he had four sacks in this game Um, I mean to me I felt like he held the ball way too long and he had guys open all game I mean good point when you're seeing on TV that's the thing when you're you're watching on TV you're like okay you know like we don't know who's available downfield they don't have the right camera angle you know all that but being there you see Cooper Cup just sitting in the soft uh, part of the zone. You see Robert Woods. I mean, I don't care who's covering Robert Woods. Most of the time he's coming down with the football. And, I mean, he's, you know, obviously available. And you see Brandon Cooks. And it's just kind of, it's hard to watch, really, because, you know, you, you see those guys coming across the field. And even Tyler Higby, who, I got to say, if if that injury was serious and it, you know, it's something I think you should monitor because a, a lung injury isn't very good, but it's something that probably won't hold him out long. He looks really good. Like he just he's lost weight. You can tell he just he moves around the field uh, a lot better than he did prior. Um, that was one of the biggest takeaways I noticed. But anyway, I just, you know, all in all, I felt like Goff held on the ball too long. Um, I was not you know, impressed with the offensive line by any means. Uh, but I definitely felt like he held on the ball too long. Um, was impressed with Todd Gurley in pass, bro. Uh, he was a baller. 
honestly. Um, he was really good. Gerald Everett, I thought, you know, stood out um, in, in his limited uh, pass blocking opportunities. Tyler Higby looked good. Again, limited because he got taken out early on. Um, Woods, I thought Malcolm Brown looked good. Um, all in all, I mean, I'd probably say the best was probably Whitworth or Noteboom. Havenstein looked really bad, honestly. Uh, yeah. Brian Allen didn't look very good at all. And Jamil Demby, um, I, I don't want to say this, but he had a zero grade as a pass blocker on, uh, let's see, 19 pass blocking reps. <laughs> at least he's consistent. And it's <laughs> we'll have to hopefully see <laughs> oh, some improvement. Boy. And Sean McVay talked about, you know, Jamil Demby stepping in and kind of saying, hey, look, this guy mid game steps in he did what we needed he gave him a big shout out on that cooper cup you know catch and run that he held off camp jordan just that extra second for jared goff to get throw off so there are some little things and, and he's definitely got to improve and hopefully a week of practice we'll find a way to get there or have Blythe back uh same with you know talking about rob Havenstein and and his matchup with cam jordan all day uh mcveigh just had a pre- press conference before we jumped on uh the line here and was talking about basically Rob expects better of himself, but as a unit, they're looking at him and saying, hey, that's a tough matchup. You know, Cam Jordan's going to get his couple plays. So, yes, we want to improve there. But overall, he was really excited about what he did. So we'll have to see how those guys, because they've got another defense unit coming in that had a rough first week, had a kind of a all-out session week two with backup quarterbacks, but now they've got a real offense coming in. So uh, they got some playmakers on that side with Miles Jarrett. So uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, that O-line versus their D-line. But we'll get to that in the third segment, talk about it a little bit more. I mean, we're in the middle of the week right now. Uh, We are so close to Sunday where you just get to sit down, relax, take some time off and watch some football Game-winning touchdowns on a two-minute drive, running backs racing down the sideline. This is what the NFL is all about. But while you're watching these games, to make it a little bit better, you might as well throw a little coin on the action and you can get some return if you're betting on your Rams. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got fast payouts and better lines than any other sports book. I love their in-game live betting. You can bet on the game during the action. So if you're down at halftime, you think they're going to come back, throw some money on, hedge your bets. If you're a parlay guy, if you like to bet a little, win a lot, parlays where you got to live. You can bet on multiple games. If they all come through and you win on all of them, you get a multiplied reward there. Uh, check them out. The first deposit, they're going to double for you. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. We'll be right back with the third segment, Locked On Rams Thursday, right after this. All right, third and final segment. Jake Ellen Bogan is with us and in the house, fresh off his trip from California. We're missing you already out here, my man. It's 81 degrees, not trying to rub it in, but just letting you know when you move out here, that is the weather you get all the time. <laughs> uh, but it was it was awesome that you're out here. Next time we'll get to link up. I know we're going to try to record live in person, so uh, we will still have that. That is still something we will do, and hopefully it's sooner than later with you getting out here um, you know, kind of taking a, a look at where we're going. We talked about this Cleveland game. We kind of covered the Saints game. So moving on in the third segment, 
Uh, we kind of finished looking at their defense and our offensive line, but I want to talk about our defense really quick. Uh, they've been playing awesome. You know, we talked about holding Kamara to under 75 total yards, uh, knocking out Drew Brees, whether, uh, you know, that's a good thing or a bad thing as far as you want to play the best players. But laying the hammer in the secondary, you saw Eric Weddle with a massive hit that turned into a turnover. Uh, but I want to talk about a couple of guys that really impressed you so far and and your thoughts on them. But how do you feel about Bryce Hager and how he's played so far this season? Yeah, Bryce Hager's really balled out. Um, you know, he's gotten a lot of flack, even from me. Um, and not really that anything he did or didn't do. It was more so, I think everyone really got excited for the seventh round uh, pick in um, in Allen. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, really, you see his story from Texas Tech. And I think D- Dakota Allen was somebody that, like, I had my mindset, like, Dakota Allen would be a big-time player. Um, I will say, I don't think Bryce Hager played all that well week one. I noticed the linebackers seemed to struggle, including my guy, Corey Littleton. Um, it was really the fact that, I mean, he played so well week week one and, and week two, he struggled uh, with Littleton. They both were great. Um, really, first thing you have to notice in coverage. Now, uh, I don't think, you know, when they tried to have Hager, you know, set the edge uh, on a couple uh, plays, I was kind of, you know, scratching my head, like, why are you doing that? Um, and the thing is Hager really at the end of the day, isn't going to be out there a ton, um, for coverage snaps. He had, uh, 12 week one, uh, but you have to keep in mind, they're really liking what they're seeing out of Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp was in for 35 coverage snaps. Bryce Hager was in for nine. So you see the difference there, uh, week to week. I think you'll probably see less of Hager, um, in, you know, week one, you know, he finished with 25 snaps week two. Uh, you know, he finished with 22. So his snap count's already gone down. Um, you look at Taylor Rapp. Great point. I mean, that's where I was going, you know. especially the way that Taylor Rapp is playing and even hearing from the coaching staff that they want to get him involved even more. Um, he's graded right now in the top 10 as far as pro football focus rookies so far, as far as overall grade. Uh, so I think getting him involved even more is going to be huge. I think you're spot on there. Uh, Taylor Rapp has been a stud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, goes up from 31 snaps to 40 snaps in week two uh, and just looked more comfortable. And he made that huge play. I don't believe I might have gotten it on video. Yeah. The um the PBU he had. I, I was on the tight end. I was on Jared. I mean, that's a big boy. play. And he, t- he took the body. Yeah, he took the body. He uh he caught up. He was a little behind and he hustled through and got back to the position. Didn't cause a foul, got around him, tipped the ball. I mean, it was beautiful. They showed it a couple times on replay uh, on the coverage on TV. And it was one of those plays that you just, I kind of stood up and did kind of a mini standing ovation, like hell of a play, my man. And uh, it was fun to watch. Um, I want (laughs) to kind of shift the gears here to kind of close it out. We talked about Jalen Ramsey at the beginning of the show and interest in him and these, you know, mid season pickups and, you know, he's requesting a trade and, you know, that we've got a crowded room already with a lot of talented guys. But uh, there's another guy that it's funny. I, I think you actually just wrote an article about this. So it's be perfect timing. But Taco Charlton was released from the Cowboys today. Former number one, uh, former first round draft pick out of the University of Michigan. You already know I'm a fan. I mean, his name's Taco. He's from the University of Michigan. He's a pass rusher. Uh, all these things in my heart are coming together. 
does this make sense for the Rams to kind of kick the tires on Taco Charlton? Yeah. So um, actually really quickly before we dive into that, just uh, because I want to get this on your podcast um, and I just got news. Adam Schefter just tweeted that in addition to a concussion, Brown's tight end David Njoku suffered a wrist injury that could require surgery. Oh, so that would mean that you would have Demetrius Harris, uh, who was originally from the Chiefs. Um, He would have a role at tight end. And I believe Farrell Brown, um, the thing he's a two year man out of Oregon. um, He would also have a role. So Njoku's kind of a huge mismatch. And if he's not going to play, that's a huge advantage for the Rams. But um, sorry, I just had to bring it up. I like it. No, it's good to to Charlton. See, my angle with Charlton, you know, you, you know, I've gone on here and I've had a huge angle on some draft prospects in the past and some guys that the Rams should pick up. My angle isn't really there. Actually, Charlton, to me, is somebody that I did not like at all in the draft. So why am I bringing him up? Well, one, he's talented. Okay, he he has the talent. He's a fir- former first round pick for a reason. Two, I'm not giving the Cowboys coaching staff the benefit of the doubt. I'm just not. Right. Um. You know, at the moment, I can't. Here's the thing: I can't fault the Cowboys in general for letting him go. Right. I can't fault them because Robert Quinn's coming back. They really like second year pass rusher out of Kansas, Dorrance Armstrong. Uh, they really like their 2019 draft pick out of Miami, Joe Jackson. And of course, Demarcus Lawrence is one of the best players in the league at that position. So I can't blame them for letting him go. And especially since Charlton came out and voiced his displeasure on uh, Twitter, um, and I can't really blame him because he went from, hey, you guys said that it was going to be, you know, a, a guy that was part of your defense, a big part for, you know, first round pick. And now I'm not playing. He yeah. hasn't played once in 2019. So he gets cut. Uh, he, you know, was begging for his release. He just wants to play. Charlton in 2017 finished with a 61.3 grade by PFF, went up to 64.3. So the way I look at it is 2017 to 2018, he improved. How much will he overall, you know, will he improve? I don't know, but what I'm looking at here and the reason I'm interested as if I'm the Rams in kicking the tires on him is because one, I don't think Tanzel smart is very good. I I've said that over and over again. This isn't about my love for John right. Franklin Myers. This is the fact that I watched him come in for Aaron Donald and I was extremely disappointed. I think that Rams defensive line is nowhere near as strong as last year when they had Indomitian Sue and John Franklin Myers. And I think that's pretty evident. So why would you bring in Charles? Well, first off, he was released. He wasn't waived. The Rams don't have to claim him. And because of that, they're not going to owe that first round pick that money. Right. So that's the first thing you can just you can pick him up and you can cut him if you want to. But he's 24 years old. Okay, this is somebody that has that freakish athleticism. He's six foot six. He's 275 pounds. Before you say he's undersized for the position, so is Mo Fox. And I got news for you. He looks really good for them. Um, So I just look at this like, hey, you have one of the best young star defensive line coaches in football, right? You, You let Bill Johnson go because you have Eric Henderson now, who you got from the Chargers. Give Eric Henderson a shot at fixing Charlton, right? right? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But give him a project. And if it works, guess what? Michael Brockers, he has an uncertain future. Yes. We don't really know how long he's going to be a ramp. As for Greg Gaines, Sebastian Joseph Day, 
that they don't even play the same position. We're not talking about a nose tackle here. We're talking about a guy that, you know, is a defensive end. And albeit in this defense, 3-4, I think really you're looking at more of a modified 3-4, so it still works. And as you can see, Mo Fox makes it work. So he'd be more like Morgan Fox. Um, Tanzel Smart, to me, is kind of just that undersized guy that has kind of the similar build as Aaron Donald, but he's nowhere near as good. I mean, you know, I'm I'm sorry. That's just how it is. So, you know, if, if you're doing the math, Aaron Donald's locked up. Sebastian Joseph Day, you know, is going to be a free agent soon. Gaines is, you know, locked up for the most part because he's a fourth round pick. Day, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day was a seventh rounder. Keep in mind. So he won't be locked up uh, the way, you know, a third or fourth rounder is. And then you look at, you know, Michael Brockers. He's not a guarantee. And Tanzel well, Smart's a former sixth rounder. So and Morgan Fox, while they brought him back for two years, that's two years. So Charlton, 24 years old. You know, I just think it makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. And especially as you're talking about looking at the future here, you got a young, talented guy that just kind of lost his way in that system. And it kind of brings a little similarity of seeing what we did with Dante Fowler, you know, a guy that another team said eh, we don't think he's as good as you know we originally did. Uh, and the Rams pick him up, and here he is. He's really flourished in our system so far. Getting him in, I think I trust, just like you do, trust our coaches to kind of take some raw talent and get it into you know the organized structure of what we're looking for in the Rams. Being around guys like Aaron Donald is so key for these young guys to be around someone that you're like, dude, you're a two-time defending uh, defensive player of the year. You've been to the Super Bowl. I'm going to listen to what you say when I'm in the room. Uh, that is very valuable. So bringing in a guy and basically saying, hey, look, try to tell me you're not going to work hard next to this guy. He's going to kick your ass. You know, like that's what's going to happen. He's not going to oh, accept yeah. it. So um, I'm, I'm interested as well, especially as you're talking about the way that he was released and how the Rams can pick him up. All that sounds good. Michael Brockers don't know what his future is. This might be the guy that could plug in uh, there at that position and, and kind of add value to that line. So uh, good stuff there. Real quick, we're kind of on a time crunch here, so I'll just get a prediction from you. Sunday night game, thoughts on this game, score prediction? Yeah, I have the Rams 34-17. I, I think they're going to score over 30. I think, you know, I, you know how I am. I kind of live in that 30 area. Yeah. Um, the reason I have 17 is because I'm not sold on the Browns quite yet. And, you know, I just think Freddie Kitchens, uh, he might be getting too far ahead of himself early on in the season. And honestly, without Njoku, to me, I look at this as this is kind of, this is all it's a chain reaction, right? Yeah. When you have Odell Beckham Jr. and you're adding him to an offense as Jarvis Landry, you know, David Njoku, Richard Higgins, you know, um, Nick Chubb, you know what I mean? And honestly, that Dearness Johnson kid that came from the AAF, watch out for him. He might actually be able to steal some snaps from Nick Chubb. But anyway, um, my biggest thing here is that when you lose somebody like Njoku, you're taking away a part of the offense. You're taking away, you're breaking a chain. Yeah. So now they have to figure out a way to operate without him. Demetrius Harris is somebody that looks the part, but he just isn't like he's, he's Virgil green. He's the perfect example of Virgil green. If you know who he is, he has all the talent and like athleticism in the world and but a monster just never put it together. Yeah. I just don't understand it. He's like Julius. He's like, if Julius Thomas didn't go off, when he had Peyton Manning. <laughs> like, it's just, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I had it. What did I have it yesterday? I think it was 33, 28, 35, 28 is what I had, but I may even go a little bit lower with 
the news of Njoku out, maybe they pump up 21. I got it as a Rams win. Uh, the Browns, like you said, haven't really impressed me yet. Freddie Kitchen's still kind of getting into the flow of being the head coach for a whole season. Obviously, he called the plays last year. Um, but yeah, I think he may be in over his head. This is a tough matchup. Sunday night football. We'll see how it goes down. Jake Ellabogan, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you joining me. Look forward to our conversations again next week as we recap this game and kind of look forward in the schedule. Uh, take it easy, guys. Go, don't forget to go give him a follow at JK Bogan DTR. Uh, they are doing a bunch of stuff. Go read that Taco Charlton article that probably has been up for almost uh, 24 hours by the time you hear this, but it will be up and there for your viewing pleasure. Jake, my man, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Hey, I appreciate it, Brad. You take care. With that, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time, peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.